Alright, so today I want to continue the discussion from pain to release. We're getting close to release uh, via catharsis. I have a number of links and we're making a transition here from <clears throat> a survey of um, psychoanalytic and psychoanalytic related theories on psychopathology classification of defense mechanisms from George Vaillant and we could see uh, that the four levels he provides dovetail pretty well with the first four of the five stages of grieving <clears throat> or stages of accepting painful truth stages of accepting and allowing painful emotion uh, that that uh, uh, what is uh, Kubler Ross provided in her model, uh, where <clears throat> four of the five levels of defense, four of the five stages of grieving, are all associated with um, rejection and um, a kind of avoidance, uh, manipulation, distortion. She calls it one of the terms bargaining, one of the stages. And so <clears throat> there really are, there's, there are two levels, it seems to me, uh, of that, uh, of the work of healing that are associated with uh, green and blue, love, wisdom, also associated with two and three, second, third chakra. So there's the two, four, and the three, five chakra conditions. Uh, second ray blockage significantly healed by fourth ray activation. Third ray blockage significantly healed by fifth ray activation. But the third ray blockage, which is particularly uh, distorted thinking in relation, in terms of relationship, distorted core beliefs uh, about self uh, and particularly about relational values, how to be in relationship. Like we talked about before, the distinction between speaking and listening, the overvaluing speaking and undervaluing listening, overvaluing doing and undervaluing being. Um, this is a sort of wisdom over love bias. Uh, the third ray condition very much rests on the second, uh, the sense of self which is very much feeling-based. Uh, so self-esteem, you know, I would consider second, third ray both, uh, meaning the, the energetic basis being second, third ray, but particularly second ray. Ross said self-conscious thoughts and feelings about self. So the condition of how, the quality of how we are with others very, very much depends on how we are alone, which very much depends on how we conceive our sense of self and the emotions around it and what's allowed and what's disallowed and what's admitted and what's rejected and what's honestly accepted and what's uh, manipulatively distorted in understanding and so the two levels of of catharsis uh, are associated with very much leading with love leading with wisdom or feeling and thinking and so there's the catharsis of painful emotion and there's the catharsis um, that's akin to the word epiphany, which is basically realization of some sort, 
significant realization. So I want to go through that, and all of uh, and that though, that twin um, manifestation of um, healing. Uh, know yourself, accept yourself. Uh, particularly, uh, allowing the feeling and accepting the truth. Allowing, particularly, the feelings we didn't want to allow that have been suppressed, like, you know, the great triad, uh, anger, sorrow, and fear. Of unwillingness to allow myself to, to feel anger or speak my truth when there may be conflict, unwillingness to feel sorrow, or the fact that I really feel hurt. It really hurts, and that's under my anger. Or I really was helpless, or I really did suffer a great emotional loss when this or that happened, uh, or you know, childhood, or lack of um, adequate parenting, or loss of any form of something we value. Uh, admitting the feeling, accepting the feeling, allowing the feeling. Same thing with fear and uh, anxiety. I'm really afraid of this, this, this. Uh, so accepting the feeling or allowing the feeling and then acknowledging the truth intellectually uh, associated with that feeling or without any kind of intensive feeling. Meaning there can be realization um, of a truth that doesn't have an emotional uh, component. So let me give you some links and we'll jump in here and make our way towards Osho, who also knows a lot about catharsis. So uh, that's the first, let me just uh, put a couple things out here. First is the link Wikipedia catharsis. Second is the link Wikipedia epiphany. Third is uh, Wiktionary which is a very interesting site on etymologies about epiphany. So, catharsis. Um, some of this is review, but we'll break new ground. And I'm not going to read all the page, all the paragraphs of the two pages from Wikipedia, catharsis, epiphany, but some, and make our way towards Osho. So, top paragraph, catharsis from the Greek which means purification or cleansing or clarification, right? And that's the intellectual side of it, the knowing, um, further knowing, breakthrough knowing, uh, self-knowing realization. Catharsis meaning purification, cleansing, clarification is, so they say, purification and purgation of emotions, right? That's the feeling side, particularly pity and fear through art. And so the first angle here on this page, or the main approach is uh, you know, like Greek tragedy, use of catharsis or uh, catharsis built into the, the play, uh, the structuring of, of the drama uh, to evoke pity and fear. But, you know, we can see movies do modern movies uh, or any media help us evoke other emotions other than pity and fear, right? Like anger and sorrow. Uh, it's also understood as any extreme change in emotion. And so it's all, here they're looking at the, the feeling basis or the second ray, uh, emotive portion of catharsis. Uh, extreme change in emotion that results in renewal and restoration. Originally used by Aristotle in Poetics. Um, 
but there there's some controversy about the effect where they understood or some scholars understand that Aristotle was referring to effects of tragedy on the mind of the spectator to the effect of catharsis on the body. So <clears throat> tragedy uh, evoking bodily catharsis. Well, there's any kind of catalyst that may trigger um, the, both the mental and the emotional levels of catharsis. Not only tragedy, not only pity and fear, not only emotion. Uh, and that's why we're going to look into the word epiphany. So, okay, that was a very brief understanding of, of the root uh, of the modern usage of the term catharsis down the page, uh, which goes through all sorts of literary usages and uh, manifestations and some of the dynamics and dot, dot, dot. Uh, what you've got is a section called Catharsis Before Tragedy. Well, that, that's also interesting, which is very... It, a lot of it has to... There's talking about ritual atonement. And um, you could make some very interesting connections between <clears throat> the phrase, no pain, no gain... The need of the need to make effort, the inevitability of pain, pain coming upon my effort at self-understanding, effortful self-understanding going through pain or distress, in the service of healing. Uh, and so, uh, we're talking about healing as purification, uh, involving a release of that which had been blocked. Uh, there is some sense that uh, I that there's a moral component to it, and that's a whole other angle which I'm not going to take because it goes off uh, profoundly into another topic called uh, morality and psychological health, or virtue sila in Buddhism sila and self-esteem. Uh, self-esteem and karmic return. <laughs> Morality, karmic return, and self-esteem. Yeah. Morality, meaning whether you're, whether we're doing right action or wrong action, right speech or wrong speech particularly, right? actions that are harmful to self and other, actions and speech that are harmful to self and other, or not, when there's a history, particularly past lives, of action and speech that's harmful to self and other, there's going to be painful karmic return. That's called painful catalyst. That's also called psychological wounding. It's also called low self-esteem, or it redounds to low self-esteem, or self-punishment, or self-blame, or self-criticism, or low self-value, low self-worth. That doesn't come from nowhere, you know. It comes from somewhere. Where does it come from? It, cur it comes, I think, generally from karmic guilt. Real karmic guilt, or car guilt that has real karmic basis. doesn't mean I'm bad. But it means, yeah, I done bad. Yeah, I done bad. And that's why I feel bad. And as one do does good more and more, or, you know, at least lives, uh, seeks to be harmless and supportive or helpful, more and more um, self-esteem clears or moves out of I hate me to I'm okay. I'm okay, you're okay. Right? Not you're okay, I'm not okay, or I'm okay, you're not okay. These are the two distorted types of self-image. Uh, distorted self-image goes to healthy self-image, which is, for those who want the metaphysics, the sixth ray, 
the fourth and sixth ray basis of second ray, meaning the feedback between 246 or interchange, the degree to which <clears throat> one has a healthy sense of self to the extent that one has faith and trust enough to allow to open the heart. Opening heart depends on what? In many ways it depends on faith and trust. Faith and trust in me, faith and trust in, in life. I trust me and I trust life enough to allow and not control and not manipulate and not avoid and, and be with. And also appreciate myself. Um, but I also don't want to do harm. All of that leads to um, <clears throat> a cleared second ray blockage or you know second ray blockage clearing. So, uh, interestingly, pre-Homeric, <laughs> pre-Aristotelian, pre-Aristotle, there's some kind of sense that um, um, purification comes through pain and atonement. Catharsis describes the result of measures taken to cleanse away blood guilt, blood purified through blood, Ugh. a process in the development of Hellenistic Greek culture in which Oracle of Delphi took a prominent role uh, and so ritual by ritual one obtains atonement for the subject or just healing and so there is some kind of um, uh, moral <clears throat> moral accounting needed in healing and it's particularly moral accounting for mm, the basis of my wounding emotional wounding or their bad treatment to me. And of course, if you don't have a spiritual view, if you don't have a metaphysical view, if you don't believe in karma and reincarnation, forget it. Uh, it's generally going to be very difficult to understand why these bad things happened to me. Why they, indeed, you know, why there was imprinted pain or pain imprinted from childhood, like Janov said, uh, needs unmet and trauma or violation. Why, why, why? It doesn't make sense. It's not fair, given a single lifetime perspective. Then, <laughs> we get the therapeutic uses. Uh, in psychology, first paragraph, in psychology, the term first employed by Freud's colleague, Breuer. We talked about Josef Breuer, who moved out of using hypnosis. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he used hypnosis. Uh, Freud used hypnosis mainly. Uh, I don't know who, I forgot which one, but I thought it was Breuer. Um, who did talk therapy. But anyway, they were doing some talk therapy, they were doing hypnosis, method of treatment for people, persons suffering from intensive hysteria, meaning um, emotional volatility in a big way, where there's some deep pain being avoided. Under hypnosis, Breuer's patients could recall traumatic experiences through the process of expressing the original emotions that had been repressed and forgotten it's really a derivative of the original emotions, but they were repressed and therefore forgotten. Some forgetting is repression, but not all. But by that uh, hypnosis, modality, treatment, and free association would do it too, or talk therapy, they were relieved of hysteric symptoms, symptomology decreased, well-being increased. Um, okay, so it was Freud who actually moved so he deserves huge credit uh, for moving Breuer's hypnosis-based treatment to free association-based treatment. So, you know, Freud deserves a... All these people have lots and lots of faults, you know, as we all do, or distortions and dis blockages. But they may be 
uh, offered some really excellent um, innovations to humanity, like uh, free association, which is the basis of talk therapy. Then <coughs> we see second paragraph, catharsis also has been adopted by modern psychotherapy, which is post-psychoanalytic, actually, particularly Freudian psychoanalysis, so they're still working with it, to describe the act of expressing, or more accurately, experiencing deep emotions associated with events in the individual's past, which had originally or long been repressed and ignored, and had never been adequately addressed or experienced. <clears throat> and so that, that is um, both the emotional and the mental levels of re-experiencing or allowing deeper experiencing of what could be considered hidden or avoided for repressed, suppressed emotions and the facts of the matter associated with those emotions. Uh, again, commonly rage, grief, and fear. <clears throat> rage and a recognition of what I'm raging at. In fact, yes, I really was unfairly treated. And that could be all the way, you know, to uh, my father beat me or my wife yells always at me and you know, I really don't like it. <laughs> and I've been stuffing it. Something like that. Could be deep to childhood, could be present life relational dynamics, could be simply um, intrapsychic, in, meaning within one's own mind, yeah, I have not, I, I've been hurting myself, um, I've been, you know, drinking and smoking too much, or I have been neglecting my health, or something, something, or I don't eat on time, and that's actually self-harming, and I feel sad that I don't treat myself better. And so there can be, that's from, you know, uh, uncovering grief, or sorrow, or, or disappointment at something that's quite personal. So it could be personal, it could be interpersonal, it could be current dynamics, aspects of current dynamics, the truth of it, and the associated emotions. The emotional content, or my emotional process, and the truth of the matter. Uh, that's very much know yourself, accept yourself, or accept the emotional, and know the truth, and accept that too. <laughs> So, allow the feeling is accepting the feeling, and then know its significance, which is to accept, is knowing oneself. This is, this is the heart of it, you know? Anybody, any raw, raw dilettante can say, know yourself, accept yourself, become the creator. What does it mean? In practice, it's the work of purifying lower triad blockage by way of love, wisdom, and wisdom, love. Leading with wisdom, leading with love. Leading with love is particularly allowing the emotional leading with wisdom is particularly seeking the significance, seeking the meaning. Uh, yes, I really, like, like, I come home and I have 50 things to do before I can sit in front of my computer, says Mr. Scott. And I can hurry through them all um, with some kind of shit-fuck attitude. Shit-fuck, shit-fuck, like that. <laughs> yeah, I talk like that alone. Or... Uh, slow down and wonder what's my problem um, and that uh, uh, there's nothing else but where I am now um, this doesn't have to be how I think of it I think this is a distraction delay to what I really want to do okay well I could see it another way too um, this is where I am 
take it easy, man. Be here. Do it. Step by step. Um, there's a truth uh, that that's a deeper level of understanding than I had had when I'm just raging around the room to finish the 50 things. That's just a very minor issue. But uh, there's insight there. And I don't think I'd call it catharsis, but it is a kind of epiphany or a minor recognition of um, the distortion I didn't realize I was uh, laboring under. And so there may be uh, a more or less emotive component to catharsis. It doesn't have to be uh, Janovium primal screaming or... Osho's uh, dynamic meditation, which we're going to move towards looking into. So, uh, okay, well, we know about, you know, so when we're talking about catharsis, we're talking about <laughs> uh, the heart of the principle, the heart, the, the core principle of primal therapy associated with um, the therapy, the, the, treat, the nature of the therapy, the treatment being uh, catharting, getting it out by primal screaming or shouting or something and they're obviously focused on rage and that doesn't do very well with the need for catharsis of grief and fear but that's another matter so okay deep emotions from one's past or deep emotions from now or even any type of emotion it may not be that deep but you know why am i, I why why am i making trouble here or why am I in anxiety now? Oh, look, I'm actually in anxiety or unwell now. What's it all about? So that's an acceptance and then a seeking to know. Uh, and then the final paragraph here, they say there's been debate about the use of catharsis in particularly anger reduction. And some scholars believe blowing off steam may reduce psychological stress in the short term. It does, absolutely. Then, but this reduction may, it's all about may, right? For some people, yes. For some, for some people sometimes. Blowing off steam, raging, may reduce physiological stress, right? It certainly uh, reduces a physiological process by letting it out, the screaming and yelling or whatever. But this reduction, re this reduction may act as a reward mechanism, <laughs> reinforcing the behavior and promoting future outbursts. That's a little weird, but it certainly may... I don't know if it acts as a reward, like, I feel so well now, I just got it all out. Let me get more... Let me be more raging. <laughs> eh? If the person really feels well, they're not going to amp it up again, actually. But uh, there are people who get it all out and then like getting it all out. And then they keep raging or outbursting. Uh, because they're attached to that process itself. I don't know if about any kind of future reward, but the, the activity itself is seen as rewarding or felt as a, there's a secondary gain. I feel strong, I'm raging. And so some people, you know, you see this all the time. Defense mechanisms clung to, um, you know, blaming others. <laughs> White Feeling a victim, victim identity, is a distorted sense of self avoidant concoction or self-image it's a it's a defensive mechanism distorted self-image that that serves to avoid um, some painful emotions like like helplessness or powerlessness 
and the confusion. Why did this even happen to me in the first place? That for which the person's so upset about. Why is this injustice or pain? Why did this pain or trauma or injustice or attack or harm come? Why did it even happen? And so then we get to issues of responsibility. That has to be considered too. So even deeper than, oh, I feel this... Uh, uh, I, I attack others because I don't want to feel my grief. I feel my grief because I was unloved by my parents. I was unloved by my parents because they were too screwed up with their own lives or they were wounded from their parents or something. And that's just an accident. <laughs> or it's just a shitty uh, you know, roll of the dice. Uh, so says the materialist. So to really know, you have to go back further. This is program catalyst, program before I was born by me. Why? Well, I guess karmically I deserve it somehow, uh, as well as this being an opportunity for learning. <laughs> that, that takes it way back, and um, very few people are willing to do that. So other people say, you know, using violent media may decrease hostility under periods of stress, Catharsis may lead to closure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, um, as they see, say at the end, there's no one-size-fits-all definition of catharsis. Right. <laughs> there's no one-size-fits-all understanding of the effects of catharsis. Meaning, some people will become chronic ragers, and some people won't ever do it again. Uh, some people will be able to use desire to dissolve desire, use the fulfillment of desire, like Raw has said, right? The proper role for the entity in third density is to experience all things desired. Well, Buddhism said no. Buddhism says restraint, because some desires will harm self and other, and Ra said that too. But uh, Buddhism is much tighter <laughs> than Ra, because Gautama is talking about hey folks, get out of the octave, and, and Ross is just talking about, hey, we're in sixth density, here's what it looks like up to here. Uh, but uh, some people uh, freely allow their own desires and get more entangled. Or some people sometimes um, get much more attached to desires and make a lot of trouble by allowing them, while other people, or that person another time, may finish something by allowing the desire. And then, because the matter is that they've distilled love-light from it. If you don't distill love-light from it, or learn from it... Ah, right ear tone. If you don't learn from experience, or the allowing of desire, or seeking to fulfill one's desires, hopefully, <laughs> only those that one determined is not of harm to self and other, like Ezra was saying, non-infringing, but uh, it's inevitable that, that uh, trouble happens <laughs> often as we fulfill our desires, trouble to self and other. If one tries to learn from it, one will be distilling love light, uh, truly, sincerely seeking to learn and grow from it, and not stay stuck, and not just get off on my pleasure, but keep growing and learning and stay out of trouble. That's what learning and growing is about, is uh, decreasing trouble for myself. <laughs> making less trouble for me and you. That's <laughs> associated with learning. If the person has that mindset, then yeah, sure, uh, some blowing off steam, catharsis, raging may help. Some allowing of desires 
um, and their fulfillment consequences may well help. You see, it's not that following the desire helps, it's not that the catharsis even helps. The catharsis does help to some degree, but it's really the response to it. How do we deal with our catharsis? How do we deal with um, the consequences of fulfilling desire or seeking to do what I like? Just do it. What, how do I deal with the consequences? Am I, um, do, are my eyes open? Is my heart open? Do I want to see it and know it and feel it and accept it and live in the truth or not? So there's no one-size-fits-all in anything. Uh, uh, catharsis, uh, a, a sort of um, stimulated catharsis, which is the whole notion of uh, Janovian primal therapy, including Osho, Osho's dynamic meditation, this sort of um, institutionalized catharsis <laughs> through the primal therapy school and Osho's dynamic meditation and then other groups that do things, animists jumping around in the dirt. Uh, some of that, uh, that may help, but depends on the person. Likewise, the fulfillment of desire may help, but depends on the person. And sometimes it's better to be in desire restraint because the person can't learn from it or the, or the allowance of it would be too harmful to self and other. Likewise, sometimes catharsis uh, should not be stimulated and other times it should be or will be because it's the person is no the, the person knows they can handle the consequences and not get attached or broken down by that catharsis so looking at the next page on epiphany epiphany as i said is more associated with the mental conceptual insight level of catharsis or um, revelation or deep healing uh, associated with seeing a truth. So, first paragraph, epiphany from ancient Greek, epiphania, manifestation, striking appearance, and actually I'm going to look into the etymology in a moment, uh, is an experience of sudden and striking realization. All right, so it's a significant realization occurring suddenly all of the moment, abruptly, bup, and it's striking. It's actually luminous, not striking. The word was, uh, the etymology is not of striking, it's of shining. <laughs> so looking at the page on Epiphany, the wiki wiktionary, this is when I'm going to go into it. <laughs> uh, Epiphany, English, etymology, uh, middle of the page there, or upper page. From Old French, from Late Latin, from Ancient Greek. Ancient Greek, Epiphania, manifestation, striking appearance. Uh, let's take it back further. Epiphano from epiphino. Epiphino. Epi means upon or from. Uh, phino is I shine, baby. I shine. I shine. I appear. So <laughs> it's a shining, sudden appearance. Uh, a sudden appearing, a sudden uh, illumination. It's a light, uh, sudden light appearance of I. <laughs> I. What I? Atmanic I. The high of higher self. The, the single line. Thine, thine eye be single. Uh, epiphania. Epi. 
phaino, phaino, uh, epiphy, ep, epiphany, is in many ways um, insight realization, yeah, of a truth, yes, associated with anything, self or other or relationship or world or universe. That is a sudden uh, uh, light shining manifestation of what I is, or it's a it's a self shining, a sudden self shining appearance <laughs> in mind. A sudden appearance in mind of the shining of self through the truth. What's being realized has a has a luminosity, the the light of truth. Um, but the light comes from Atman, its intelligent energy, with a capital L. So, <laughs> light with a capital L shines forth through the truth that's realized as a manifestation of, of the mind of Atman. It's a logoic resonant light manifestation in truth, of truth, ideationally. Right. <clears throat> that um, generally, back to the page on Epiphany, generally the term is used to describe scientific breakthrough, religious or philosophical discoveries, but it can also apply in any situation in which enlightening realization allows a problem or situation to be understood from a new and deeper perspective. Very straightforward. Studied by psychologists and other scholars. <laughs> I'm a scholar. Particularly those attempting to study innovation. Right? How do you come up with new understandings? Uh, here, we're, I'm, I'm saying that epiphany is a type of catharsis. It's a catharsis of buried light. <laughs> It's a release, not of painful emotion. I mean, there may be painful emotion associated with epiphany. Like, uh, wow, um, I've, been, I've been guarding myself from, being, from, from letting myself love, or letting myself care, or letting people touch me emotionally when they speak. I've been guarded and defensive in how I am with people because I really am much more sensitive than I thought. And actually, um, I really feel more than I realized I feel. Uh, and I'm really not a bad guy. Or I really... Um, I really value this sweet-hearted sensitivity under my tight external, something like that. <laughs> this is one one type of self-realization or self-realization as a, a personal epiphany. So we'll see that uh, it's well understood. And so uh, in the section down the page on religion, in religion, uh, and since we're talking about, you know, my, my perspective is spiritual psychology, which is transpersonal psychology, which is sort of a, a, tra a metaphysical approach to human, to understanding human mind, including a metaphysical approach to psychopathology and um, the avoidance of deep wounding and pain. Uh, from that, uh, as you can understand already um, discussion of religion is is profoundly relevant to psychological process 
just like Carl Jung. And so uh, in the community of departed, dearly departed in late 61, we have Carl Jung and Nityananda. Uh, and so Jung also understood the, the deep, profound relevance of uh, religion, mythology, um, cultural themes associated with the supernatural in terms of gods and goddesses and cosmology uh, and, and man's place in the universe. In the, in the collective unconscious, uh, its role in personal psychology, in dreams particularly, um, and symbolism uh, but we can see that while epiphany uh, is, is understood in a few religions, and we'll look at that here very briefly, uh, epiphany, uh, it, while, while it's understood, can be understood a, in a religious context as a kind of divine revelation, revelation of divinity, um, when, you, when we, we heal the deep mind, um, we're getting closer to God, we're getting closer to the Logos, closer to higher self. And mm, the light of mind, distinct from the light of truth, truth has a certain light, but the light of truth appears in the light of mind, the light of the field of mind. Who lights the field of mind? Atman does. It's sub-sub-sub-logos, or sub-sub-logos. Being uh, Atmanic is a sort of manifestation of, uh, of the one, the source. And so... Uh, self-understanding is is profoundly a, a psycho-religious process, a, a religious process, or at least a spiritual process. Know thyself, said the oracle at Delphi, right? Know thyself, and you'll know what is the one, eventually, because the self is a whole lot more than thinking about body-mind, my personality, my body, my actions, my personal stream is a very small portion of what, what I is. Um, very few people can understand that. But working through the psychological, we approach the religious and the spiritual. If not the religious, the, you know, we humans go through the go to the spiritual via the religious. Uh, we may go to the spiritual via the psychological. We need not get hung up in the religious. Yet, um, there's lots of universal truth in lots of religion. So in Christianity, Epiphany refers to realization that Christ is the Son of God. So Christ is the Logos, all right? Well, Atman is the sub-sub-Logos, fine. <laughs> uh, what's not necessarily realized is that we're all son of God. Or <laughs> uh, the, the Word is with God and the Word is God. The Son is with God and the Son is God. The Son of God, <laughs> you know, is the Word. Uh, and the Word is distinct from and at one with uh, God or the infinite Logos, the infinite being, actually. So <clears throat> that's one realization. There are deeper realizations than Christ is the Son of God. And then what, right? What the hell does that have to do with me? Well, he'll save you. If what? If what? If I believe that he's the Son of God only? I guess so. That's what they say. Western churches celebrate the visit of the Magi, 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 as revelation of the incarnation, dot, 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 feast of the epiphany, so they know that word, and theophany, 
means the revelation or real revelation of a deity. Um, epi, epiphany. Phany is shine or manifesting, right? Uh, the epi is a pawn, and so epiphany is not the same as theophany. Theophany, basically, revelation of theo, which is not uh, your teacher there, but uh, God, a Greek word for God, appearance of God. <clears throat> epiphany, epiphany, <laughs> is what? Uh, the appearance of epi? What's epi? Well, epi means upon. <laughs> we look at the etymology of epi. <clears throat> um, it's a little strange. It's, um, I don't know what what they found. It's a by. It's just, it's not a thing that's being revealed like Theo, Fanny. <clears throat> it's, it seems to be um, just the, the uh, movement of that appearance, the, the movement of, rev of revelation, the act of, the, the process of real revelation as opposed to what is being re revealed or um, manifest. But it's, a, it's certainly uh, <clears throat> well understood in religion uh, that there's epiphany of uh, cosmology or the doctrine realized is true or what's called gnosis and awakening. And so in the second paragraph, <clears throat> uh, we see how humans use this term religious epiphany used when a person realizes their faith, right? So I had an epiphany, uh, God wants me to slaughter my enemies, oh my God, I had a religious, religious epiphany, uh, and I must go and do it. Some people would think. <laughs> eh. So if their faith says, uh, smite thine enemies, like uh, Orion Yahweh, then uh, what? Some people may have what they think is a religious epiphany when they get clear that that's what I've got to go, go, go do because uh, Yahweh commanded me. Well, I guess that's called a religious epiphany for them. Mm. Or when they're convinced that an event or happening was really caused by a deity or a being of their faith. And, you know, uh, faith is a funny word, but it's really true because there's no provability. But uh, there's the old story when they went to Professor Jung and said, Professor Jung, do you believe in God? And he said, no. And they said, oh, no, Professor Jung, you don't believe in God? Uh, you wrote about deity and divinity and all that for so much. How is it you don't believe in God? And he said, I do not believe. I know. Meaning I know deity or divinity or the sacred. And so there is some, there is certainly um, transcendental knowing that uh, is a greater certainty than um, faith and belief. However, <laughs> again, some people down here are all tangled up and will say that they have certainty that uh, God commanded them to do murderous acts. So, um, just because one person considers it certain and uh, Gnostic realization doesn't mean it's uh, universally true what they're thinking, obviously. So, in Buddhism, so the Hindu term for epiphany might be bodhodaya, uh, Sanskrit Buddha, same as Buddha, right? That's that's the root of the word Buddha is wisdom or um, knowing, and Udaya rising, right? Rising wisdom, uh, Udaya different than Upaya, and Bodha different than Buddha, but the uh, Buddha is like the anointed, the enlightened one, the realized one of wisdom, 
and Udaya rising is uh, appearing. And then in Zen, they talk about Kensho and Satori and all that. So realization of enlightenment is a type of epiphany. But particularly, I just wanted to bring that in where... um, Catharsis is not only of the emotional, uh, because there's an intellectual component to deep healing. (laughs) And it's deeply associated with um, the quality and the quality of by which with which we receive or allow the emotional arising, the, the emotional portion of the catharsis, whatever the emotions may be. Uh, we will come to the realization of what it's all about or understanding only to the degree that we're allowing the full, a fuller emotional process. And so squelching the emotional um, reduces the comprehension. Meanwhile, there is epiphany without, emotional, without much emotional content. Uh, there's that aha moment um, of shining forth a truth that's important, but it's not particularly emotional. And so people, junior psychologists, often try to, you know, trigger the catharsis, trigger the emotional. How are you feeling? But I mean, how are you feeling? They ask in their internships, and or later, <laughs> beyond their internship. It just doesn't work for everybody. Uh, and so... <laughs> There's no one-size-fits-all therapeutic uh, modality or style or way of working with people either. So, okay, so we see that catharsis has a history in literature, in tragedy and drama, that it's associated with um, purification, but clarification. It's um, maybe a socially um, involved activity. But generally, we're talking about the personal, and and that's and so the mental emotional portions of catharsis is release. And so, when the buried emotions come up, to a certain degree, um, they're they're no longer um, heavily determining. Meaning the person is not bound to that repressed to the to the rest, repressed emotion to the degree that they allow it to come up and out, and the more you allow it to come up and out or feel it, uh, the less that uh, it's really a nervous charge. And Freud and the early psychoanalysts understood that there's a physiological aspect to it. Get you know, get the charge. Uh, release the charge uh, is a very important physiological psychophysiological aspect of healing uh, but not all deep healing needs that or not all healing is deep healing not all deep healing not all deep transformation requires major emotional so that's important too and epiphany um, the shining appearance uh, of uh, a new a quant a breakthrough understanding uh, is definitely critical to healing. Now, in the last what we have here, fifteen minutes or so, uh, I want to 
refer you to um, some very interesting pages. First uh, page uh, from Osho, and um, Osho was an Indian fellow who uh, became famous for many Rolls Royces and a lavish lifestyle and lots of uh, sincere Westerners following along in orange robes um, doing their thing. Now, the page is from Osho.com, Osho Online Library Talks, um, a book called Secrets of Yoga. He wrote, he wrote a lot. He was a very smart guy. Wrote a lot. <clears throat> um, this is chapter two called Everybody is Born Exceptional. Hey, hey. And where I want to, why I'm linking this in is because he has uh, integrated uh, an understanding of the need for catharsis into religious spiritual practice or understands that spiritual practice uh, with some people requires catharsis at the start, at the outset. And so he's comparing society in the past to today, people of the past to today, um, the need for catharsis in the past to today, and why indeed he's, he, he's really explaining why he uh, gave this practice called dynamic meditation, which as I said doesn't look very meditative to me, but it's certainly cathartic. And, and he's right that it is critical before one can go to quiet sitting. And you know, <laughs> the teachers that um, recommend certain practices understand that summer practices are called preliminary and you can see that when you in the discussion from Ajahn Sao, Kantasilo Sao, from Thai forest monastery tradition, basically saying, okay, well, first you need to do Buddho, Buddho, with the breath as anchor, object of concentration. But after that, you don't have to keep doing Buddho, just watch the breath or follow the sensation arising and passing away. Some people think that, some people don't realize that the practice they're doing is preliminary. <laughs> and think everybody should be doing it. Um, no, there really are stages of practice depending on development of, of mind. So, let's jump in. He's talking about um, Patanjali and society and consciousness and the evolving um, relationship between individuals and society to their own emotional life, their own natural deep process. Anyway, he goes on. The same happens in the life of a society. Patanjali was here, right? He wrote Yoga Sutras. Patanjali was here when people were primitive. If you go to interior parts of India, where primitive tribes still exist, so I guess you could blame him for using that word, they will not need dynamic meditation, remember? They'll laugh at you. That's right. They'll ask, what are you doing? What's the point? He goes on. Every night after the day's work is over, they dance. They dance to orgasm, so he thinks. Twelve, one o'clock in the night. What, every night? They will continue dancing with their drums, primitive, with great energy, with ecstasy. Yeah, some nights. And then they will fall asleep under the trees. And the whole day their work is such. Chopping wood. Then how can you collect anger inside you? They're not clerks in an office. They're not yet civilized, so he said. They live life as it comes by. Hmm. 
chopping wood, they become nonviolent. They need not any Mahavira, meaning the the founder of the Jain tradition of uh, particularly where Jainism is heavy, heavy on ahimsa, non-harming. They not need they need not any Mahavira to teach them. They need not any philosophy of Jainism to be nonviolent. That's bullshit, actually. You see, so he's <laughs> you, you know like everybody. Um, you got to read every word <laughs> and every phrase. And the first portion of a phrase, the first portion of a sentence, I may agree with, and the second portion is completely wrong. Uh, saying chopping wood, they become nonviolent. Oh well, right. So all indigenous groups are nonviolent. Well, some of them are hyperviolent, friend. Uh, they live life as it comes by. They're not yet civilized. Well, they may have certain sensitivity to nature or or interpersonal dynamics that people don't understand like so-called primitive tribes, indigenous groups, uh, smearing ash, rolling in the dirt and ash at the mourning ceremony for a loved one's death. Some people can say, wow, how primitive. And other people will say, how sophisticated. (laughs) By intensifying the grieving, rolling in the dirt, smearing themselves with ash, moaning and wailing and ripping their clothes, they let themselves get it all out. And uh, far more sophisticated than people today go to the funeral and clear away the the odd teardrop with a tissue, um, holding themselves back, holding themselves in, maintaining uh, appearances, propriety, social convention, custom, which is quite repressive to the grief that they may be feeling. They don't let themselves moan and scream and roll as a so-called primitive tribe may. That's a very sophisticated method of grieving, of getting out the pain of the grieving, it seems to me. Very sophisticated. I mean, it's pretty nasty if you want to roll in the dirt. But that gets you, you know, you want to get it out, that's a way to getting it out. There ain't repression after that. So his basic point is right, that... Uh, groups, indigenous groups that are more connected to nature, chop wood, uh, carry water, you know, and they uh, have life in harmony with the seasons and, and with the flora and the fauna, the animals and the plants. Um, they get stuff out by physical exercise, by their lifestyle. However, he says, how can you collect anger inside you by chopping wood? That's completely wrong. <laughs> there are people who are in self-enraging while they do uh, chopping wood and this and that. There are bitter homesteaders, you know. <laughs> there are very angry uh, people who also live close to nature, you know. You know, it's like I live in the countryside. What do I think? Everybody's a saint out here? No, <laughs> not really. And everybody's what? Sophisticated in the cities? No, not really. Or intellectual? No, not really. So. Uh, it's very hard to, to speak and write precisely. You have to <laughs> uh, very carefully avoid generalization. But the main point is right. You don't need a teaching of our harmlessness if your culture uh, supports regular catharsis and non-repression of painful emotions that normally, when repressed or buried, or blocked, disallowed, lead to all sorts of anger and um, internal conflict. Um, However, (laughs) uh, there are a lot of primitive so-called groups um, that live this life 
and they regularly war on their neighbors. Let me look at the movie um, uh, Mel Gibson's Apocalyptos. Apocalypto. So they're they're kind of indigenous people. They chop wood, carry water, uh, and they're happy to cut hearts out of people. So uh, <laughs> be careful reading anybody. Uh, just because he said it doesn't mean it's true. Meanwhile, the next portion of the sentence may be absolutely true. Going on, yes, a businessman needs the philosophy of non-violence. So he's saying, in the pre-commercial indigenous hunter-gatherer societies, they didn't need a philosophy of non-violence. But again, it's not true. Right? There were groups, Native American groups, there are African groups, there are South American groups, <laughs> there were uh, groups, there, there are groups all over the place of indigenous people who were super violent. Uh-huh. Okay. And he goes on, that's why all the Jainas, Jainas, are businessmen. Haha. <laughs> Meaning they need to be restrained. Just sitting on the gaddi the whole day, smiling and smiling, one gets almost crazy. <laughs> He's just making a joke about Jain businessmen. Uh, then one needs a philosophy of nonviolence to keep oneself in control. Otherwise, one will jump on anybody for no excuse, for no reason. But when a man is chopping wood, what need has he of any philosophy of nonviolence? Completely wrong. <laughs> I mean, partially wrong. Some people uh, chop wood and stew and smolder their anger. I mean, Genghis Khan, right? Genghis, the great man who uh, broke 95% and uh, is a shipping clerk in Orion now. Uh, he had a kind of indigenous, simple culture life before he became the great Khan of uh, Central Asia. Yeah. Uh, but he was pretty damn violent. Where'd he get it from? Well, he didn't get it from what? The, the chopping wood, nonviolent culture, he think that, that Osho imagines he was from? So, when a man is chopping wood, what, na- what need has he of any philosophy of nonviolence? No. <laughs> Not true. Uh, those that have violence need a, tre- a teaching of nonviolence. Not those of all indigenous groups. But the general comment that um, close to nature indigenous societies uh, get out, get their stuff out, get their emotional process out is true. I mean, in many ways, they're not self-repressive or they're far, far less than modern society. And so his point was, when he comes home after cutting, chopping wood, he's thrown out violence so completely, he is nonviolent. So this is, um, th- this is the myth of the noble savage, the myth of the saintly indigenous. They're, it's like the, the, the myth of the saintly oppressed in the ghetto. They're innocent victims oppressed. That's all they are. They're never oppressors. They must be uh, saintly because they're oppressed. Or uh, they're indigenous so and they're uh, chopping wood every day so and they're doing ritual uh, so they must be nonviolent? <laughs> not necessarily. Not at all. So you got to be careful about uh, teachings. That's why Patanjali never talked about catharsis, he says. But there is truth. Again, there's truth to that. Meaning... Yeah, Patanjali was talking about cultures that were far less self-repressive. They didn't repress their violence either, <laughs> those that went to it. Patanjali never talked about catharsis. It was not needed. Society was just in the childhood stage. 
people were innocent, childlike, mm. they were living their life without any repression. Yes, maybe, but that doesn't mean in virtue. You can be without repression and be a super-duper psychopath or mass murderer. He's not repressed, he's just a mass murderer. Okay, fine, maybe he's negative at base of beingness. But you can live your life without repression and not become nonviolent. You could be super violent without repression. The negatives are like that. Catharsis is needed when repression enters the human mind. Right. And so catharsis is the purging, pur purgation, releasing, re-experiencing of that which had been buried or repressed or pushed down. The more repressive a society, the more cathartic methods will be needed. Then you'll have to do something to bring it out. Da da da, and here comes out his practice. But yeah, the more repressive a society, the more cathartic methods are needed. So in um, the movie Equilibrium, it's a super duper repressive society, and uh, they don't have any cathartic methods other than taking their Librium doses daily. Uh, Brave New uh, 1984, super repressive society, they have their three minutes hate. Yeah. And their shitty gin that they use to kill themselves slowly. Gin liquor. Uh, Brave New World, they have uh, free sex and free uh, soma. So they freely drug themselves and freely uh, have sex with each other without pregnancy. Um, those are methods of catharsis. They're not really methods of catharsis. They're really methods of release of uh, some of the charge that's been repressed. Some of that which has been repressed is released by the venting of a three minutes hate or the Librium pill pushed down further or the Soma and free sex allows them to get stuff out. But yes, the more repressive a society or the more repressive an individual, the more repressed and defended an individual the more in need of catharsis he or she or the society is. Yeah, right. And he goes on, And I tell you, it is better to do dynamic meditation than to throw your anger on somebody else. True. Because if you throw it on somebody else, your sanchit karma will become bigger and bigger. Sanchit. And what's the word sanchit? Uh, chit is, is sachitananda, so it's about mind or mental element. But be, certainly the mental... Um, you're you're basically infringing mentally and and emotionally mentally and physically to some extent when you dump your anger on others and your bad karma associated with wrong speech will get better bigger and bigger damn right if you throw it if you throw it meaning your anger in a dynamic meditation your sun chit karma is being emptied maybe <laughs> you're not throwing it at anybody you're simply angry not at anybody but you see, a lot of people, if you see them dancing in their dynamic meditation, they don't look angry. Some of them look spaced out. Some of them are weeping and writhing and rolling on the floor. Others are raging. Um, it's interesting. I wonder if his initial intention in formulating dynamic meditation was for the catharsis of anger. But it seems that there were a lot of, uh, a lot of people were releasing a lot more than anger. Uh, the problem with that is that one can have a psychotic break in uh, forced collective and or individual uh, catharsis by forced catharsis whether it's done individually or collective yes certain minds will have a psychotic break and go straight to schizophrenia and won't get better 
like the drug trip from which he never returned. I had a friend in high school who was a LSD, he was an acid head, and um, he said, I will never take acid again, and these nine tabs, I'll take them all at once. <laughs> and he was tripping for three days, uh, woke up tripping, from what he told us, and um, was never the same again. And decades later, um, something happened that indicated he apparently contacted me and uh, he really had lost it. He was out. He was not there. He was, a, he was you know, <laughs> level one, <laughs> delusional. And um, <clears throat> how much your karma is being emptied, I'm not sure. But yes, it's an emotional catharsis if you're dancing and jumping and screaming and you get your anger out. You're simply yelling, not against anybody. You're simply crying. So there's the catharsis of sorrow and pain and grief. This simple crying, yelling, screaming, being angry, violent cleanses you, and it creates no chain in the future. No, it may or may not. Depends on how you respond to it. Some people get attached to it. Some people um, tell everybody they've got to be doing it. And to say it creates no chain in the future is not true. It depends, you see? But you see... To say, you know, black is black and white is white is a whole lot easier than, than saying, it depends, it depends on countless conditions. Depends on the person, time, place, occasion. Depends on all sorts of things. But it's, it, people don't like to hear that. Because then you're, you're, you have some, you know, one door opens and then you see there are ten other doors shut. You go and, you know, one door opens and you go to a room and you say, wow, I'm in a new room. Now I see there are ten other doors that I haven't opened yet. Hmm. Now I'm, I don't just have a closed door, I have a, a, a room with ten doors that are shut. And so there's even more to know that I don't know than simply breaking through this door and getting to the new room where now I'm at and I see. Hmm. Everything depends. It's all relative. But, yes, sure, um some catharsis may well um, lead to um, breaking the roots of attachment to no longer having an attachment to, to the process of repression as well as the content of what had been released or what had been repressed which is basically you know uh, affect or emotion feeling and certain truths or certain um facts of the matter, <laughs> whatever the matter is, some facts have also been repressed with the emotional subjugation. So he goes on. So what Patanjali says about Samyama, Samyama, Sam is right, Yama, I think is, uh, I think he's talking about Yama Niyama, in terms of, in terms of uh, disciplines and moral practice. What Patanjali says about Samyama, I will make catharsis also a part of it, because I am not worried about Patanjali, I'm worried about you. And I know you well. Maybe not as well as you thought, though. If you don't throw it to the sky, you will throw it on some on somebody somewhere, and then it will create a chain of karma. Right. That That's true. Wrong speech, angry speech, will definitely create more trouble for you. <laughs> so, I hurt you, I hurt me. Hurt you, hurt me. Fuck you, fuck me. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. The best fuck you scene, I'd say, is... Uh, William Defoe and Tom Cruise in wheelchairs on the Mexican coast highway in uh, Born on the Fourth of July. It's a very ugly scene, but <clears throat> um, 
wrong speech begets a painful karmic return. And he's trying to basically protect his uh, followers or students so that they don't dump their anger on other people. Which is good. <laughs> so he saw a lot of white people or Westerners with a lot of anger under their smiley faces. And that's pretty damn common, you know. Catharsis is a must for the days to come. The more man becomes civilized, the more catharsis will be needed. Civiliz- civilization as, <laughs> as emotional repressive, as, as the means by which individuals suppress and repress and avoid their emotional and true facts matter of their lives, their emotional reactions, emotional process, and the true facts of the matter. Yeah, right. <laughs> 500 channels of TV uh, gives a great way of avoiding. And so, then he goes on, the third thing in the question, this was, he's responding to a question in the, in the audience, please explain the preparatory antidote for the misuse of psychic powers, uh, <clears throat> and this is another matter about uh, power blinding and uh, misuse of psychic power, and that I don't want to get into because that's another topic, but uh, the conclusion I'd say is is the more the more society becomes uh, technological, complex, ideological in the sense of intellectual. Everybody's got opinions, right? There are fifty fifty magazines, uh, you know, for for RV and car fanatics or car enthusiasts. You've got 50 magazines in every country just on cars and hot rods, let alone a a million other topics. So a more intellectual, um, technological, urban, uh, non-natural, self-controlled, disciplined, regulated, uh, repressed, orderly society, uh, top-down control, right? the technotronic age, as Brzezinski said, the brave new world where everybody uh, is slotted to their future work from birth or from a young age. Uh, In such a civilization, yes, um, the more emotional repression, the more self-dishonesty, and the more catharsis will be needed. Yes. And yet, um, that society... um, being manipulated from the top down, like Brave, like, like 1984, may well offer its own <clears throat> uh, um, regulated, controlled, uh, state-sponsored catharsis called Three Minutes Hate, or sports, <laughs> or World Wrestling League, or uh, boxing, or war, or militarism, or endless uh, YouTube aggression postings. Uh, these are socially sanctioned means of catharsis of anger um, that many people use to avoid um, the depth and the nature of their pain. The the depth of their pain is uh, deeper anger and deeper sorrow, and the nature is really much about being unloved and being unloving to self. Not uh, being unloved by other or hurt directly by other, and being uh, unloving within. That's, in general, you know, love heals and lovelessness harms. And so wrong speech, wrong action is unloving 
speech and action. And healing is uh, a renewal of love, love and honesty. A renewal of love and honesty is healing and leads to balance and leads to wellness and leads to natural ahimsa or the desire not to harm. Ahimsa, no himsa, no harming. Uh, because you, one feels, if I hurt you, I feel bad, you know? Uh, uh, I feel bad. <laughs> I'm imagining your pain if I hurt you. I don't want to do it. Now, some people are real bad people. That's a different matter. <laughs> That's a little fielder's choice, but uh, somewhat. So, <clears throat> anyway, here is uh, Osho's contribution. I think it's very important I don't agree with everything, obviously, but I think his points are excellent. Next time, I want to further, uh, further um, present the an, an Osho teaching. Second link, uh, the page about Zazen Vipassana, and he basically is talking about the difference between Vipassana and Zazen, which is very nice. Uh, but he's putting them together, which is appropriate. Mm, Theravada Vipassana and Japanese Tan or Japanese Zen Zazen means sitting Zen Za sitting like Zafu is a sitting cushion Zazen is sitting Zen Zen is Chan Tan is Dhyana from Sanskrit it really means meditation or contemplation or uh, you know meditative technique cultivation so Za Zazen is like uh, <laughs> Za <laughs> sitting sitting meditation Anyway, uh, that and Vipassana, how um, practices, you know, mindfulness practices like Vipassana and Zazen can be, uh, succeed or follow after uh, sufficient catharsis. And so that's going beyond, least, beyond the emotional, mental releasing to uh, releasing of core attachments and ignorance of vidya that leads to a much deeper freedom um, as one continues those practices and uh, opens further. So anyway, I hope this was useful. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, next time we go to Pain to Release 21 and um, Osho, and then we'll be getting close to the end. So within a couple of classes, uh, it'll be over, this series. So I hope it was useful for you. Thank you everybody who has been here and helped out. Take care and good night.